Okay, we're starting a new month now in the three-year cycle. We're now in the month of Tammuz, and it starts at Genesis 17. Okay, Genesis 17, 1 through 14. to understand what's happening here. Abraham had now been in Canaan 24 years. This is the, it's been, it has been 13 years since the Lord last said anything to him or appeared to him. Or at any moment of revelation. Now, the next time I hear one of you start complaining. He's been 24 years in the land. It's 13 years since he last had a revelation. It's been 24 years since the promise. And there's no evidence of the promise. He's tried everything. He sold his wife. He ran down to Egypt. <clears throat> he got rid of a lot. He got he, he, everything, but there's no evidence of the promise. At this point, just before, just five minutes before this happens, <clears throat> is, he, is he still thinking that Ishmael is the son of the promise? Right. So he's been telling this kid for 13 years? 
Ishmael is now 13 years old. But can you understand? That's why Abraham is given as the model of faith. Because there's weight. You wait in hope. I mean, Abraham wouldn't understand modern, the instant gratification demanded by most of you. But can you feel what happened? I mean, here he, he, was, he was the next, he was the heir apparent to be king of Babylon. He was the head honcho. He got disappointed, he left. Spent 15 years before God said anything to him in Haran. Now it's 24 years later. So therefore he, is, the New Testament says he's the perfect Christian. He's the model of faith. It's just like, next time you get antsy, just read this and understand what's going on. Abraham has been hanging around. Living. No revelation. No more revelation. Okay? Now, this is the fifth time that there has been an appearance of the Lord to Abram. The word appearance is the word appeared, is the word Hebrew word ra'ah, which means, it means to see. But it doesn't mean he, that God stood there and, and, and said, how are you doing, buddy? It means that that was the fifth time that Abraham saw through the veil of the flesh. He saw time tear and saw eternity. And that time, every time he saw time tear and saw eternity, what happened was he saw God. And the, the things that led up to it were his disappointments. At 13, Ishmael is supposed to be a child of the law, the bar mitzvah. But it became apparent to Abraham that Ishmael was not the promise. The scriptures say he was a wild man, unruly. It says, the, 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 the apocryphal gospels say that, that, that Ishmael, as soon as, you know, a little bit longer here, that Ishmael shot Isaac with an arrow, almost killed him. That he constantly, you know, I mean, it, he was he was the worst juvenile delinquent that has ever existed on the face of the earth. And this was the child of the promise. <laughs> My point to you, and I'll say it until hell freezes over, is that when you are in a position of despair, when you see your world crumbling around you, it's supposed to. Because at that end of that despair, unless you lean again on your own arm of understanding, God will appear. But now you have too much strength, you are too smart, you have too many opportunities, you have too many riches. So you run off and do something else. You change my life. Well, Abraham had no more options. 
at the end of the, each moment of each time of despair each time of seeing through each time of seeing the perception of his life and everything around him as vanity the Lord appeared that's why it says count it the highest joy when you fall into diverse temptations think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that's come upon you to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you if you're depressed for a brief moment for a time if need be don't think it's strange because it's the trial of faith that's more precious over and over and over and over don't go to some spiritual doctor to figure out how to get a quick fix of God stuff that's not the issue you, you'll you start that route you'll every you know you go to you for you, you start first of all you start listening to radio preachers <laughs> then you'll start listening to television preachers they'll tell you how to get a double mantle of God stuff well you got to hold your nose this way if you hold your nose this way then God will be there then you have to hold your nose this way and flap your arm, and then you'll get it. God didn't play that game. The Antichrist plays that game. You endure. You wait. Capiche? Boy, I wish some of the people that aren't here tonight were here. So they quit calling me. <clears throat> okay, now, another thing. In verse 1, it says, I am the Almighty God. This is the first time this word has been used. It's, and we'll see there are 16 names of God. 16 titles of Jehovah. Each one reveals a greater revelation of who He is and what His function is. And as we will come up to that in not too distant future, but uh, this one, it, it, it's God, it's El Shaddai, which means, El means the strong one, Shaddai means the self-sufficient, or one who nourishes. And he's revealed at the point when you know nothing else nourishes, and there's no strength in any other position. Well, again, it, it's the first use. The reason it's here in this point in the Torah is because, again, as I said, it's the first use of El Shaddai as the name of God, the Almighty One. But it's, it's, it's in, in point of the revelation, in point of the promise, it means that he is the only, and Abram understood it, it means that he's the only one through whom the promise is going to come. It's not going to come through Ishmael or Lot or Eliezer or going down to Egypt or leaning on his own arm of understanding. God is his own dynamic. And his, 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 his strength is revealed in your waiting. Everybody getting a picture of this? You're going to forget it. You're going to go five minutes later. Somebody's going to say something to you. And you're going to go, oh, shit. What's wrong with me now? Oh. <laughs> the power can be misused. The power can be misused. The gifts and calling of God are getting given without repentance reigns in the just and the unjust. Remember that one, everything in time and space is that one tributary, one power, and everything in life is trying to take it out of it, get it out of the way, make it go another direction. 
put your eyes in yourself, put your eyes in meeting human need, put your eyes in on the salvation of the isolated self, put your eyes on your own need in any way. That's the misuse of the power. That's why God, Christ said the first requirement of a disciple is to abandon yourself. If you abandon yourself, you can't misuse it. Walk before me, and thou, and thou, and be thou perfect. That's exactly what he said to Miller. Close. The word perfect in the Hebrew is tamiyim, in the Greek it's teleos. In both cases, the word perfect means completely tested. That there is no part of you that hasn't been tested by faith. That's why I said these strange things to you, like you're responsible for your dreams. That, that, that every part of your being has to pass through the test. That to, to ensure that nothing in the universe can draw you away from this El Shaddai position. And the point, of God, the point that God is making to Abram here is, is if you walk before him, i.e. with him in your consciousness, you will be fully tested. Now, this can give one half of your being scares the crap out of you. I mean, just think. If you understand that God's demands are perfection, well, we can, let's, 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 let's rationalize it. Well, that just means that there's some, some part deep within me that's perfect. Or, that means the perfection is when I die, then because I'm going to be with God, then I'll be perfect. But God demands total, complete perfection. Now, perfection can be accomplished or can be tried one of two ways. Ever since you've been born, you've been trying for perfection by your own understanding. And boy, have you messed up. But there's still about half of your mind, or more, that's still trying for perfection by your own understanding. And it's evidence because every time things don't go the way you want them to, you get upset. You understand, if you weren't trying for perfection by your own understanding, there would never be any position other than perfect joy and perfect peace. So, you go through the process, and then you're confronted with something. You're confronted with a, a person, or a need, or a situation. And it's not going the way you want it to. So the first thing you do is you go inside yourself and say, okay, now what can I do about this? You see, you're playing the wrong ball game again. 
How can I handle this? Well, that's that's one way to try to be perfect. <clears throat> but the problem with that way of trying to be perfect is, is your definition of perfect is three orders of magnitude be below God's definition of perfect. And so what happens is, for a long time and long periods of your life, you get by with the illusion that you're okay. And you can, because you may be smarter than the others, or better looking, or you can do something better than somebody else can. And so in the idea, in the arena of comparison, you know, you can compare and say, well, I'm not too bad, I'm, I'm a pretty nice person. But, but, but compared to what? Okay, then you come along, that's why the promise comes before the law. <coughs> then we come along and the law says, no, 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 your idea of perfect is way here. God's idea of perfect is way up here. Now you say, oh shit, now what am I going to do? Well, what you do is you accept his perfection, which is resident within you already. But that demands that you no longer try anymore. You can't do both. You can't live in both worlds. And this is the lesson of Abraham. He tried everything else, didn't work. Then God says, be you perfect. Okay. Now in verse 2, <clears throat> I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will and will multiply thee exceedingly. Now this whole little scenario, it's the first time since remember I said before that the promise of God to Abraham was given without condition? And now Abraham's getting the idea that this is going to cost him something. You been there? Oh, good. Look, look at this great God stuff. Then you slowly come to the revelation it's going to cost you something. Now, with Abraham at this level, it cost him what? Just the foreskin. He just bled a little bit. But that's just a picture, a revelation, that the, that the thing that it's going to cost you is the foreskin of your heart. And the foreskin of your heart caught to, to have that cut off causes your death. So the picture of circumcision is the picture of the cross. I am crucified with Christ. That's what Abraham saw at the point of his circumcision. The word covenant, by the way, everybody likes to talk about covenant or testament. You know what the word cutting is? The covenant is? It's the Hebrew word to cut. A contract is made only by cutting. And what's cut? The contract between you and God is made by the cutting of your heart. Go to Romans 2 a minute.
verse 25. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not the uncircumcision which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. God gives you one evidence to find out whether your heart is circumcised. And that is, is that you do not require the praise of men. You're in big trouble. Because you require the praise of men. There's a, there's a principle of scripture that says if, if, it's a, if it's true in its positive direction, I in this case requiring the praise of men, it's also true in the negative. That means the, the derision of men won't affect you. The evidence of the circumcised heart is that the praise of men don't affect you, nor the derision of men don't affect you. Doesn't affect you. Now, you still want God to speed up the process? What God is doing, if, you, if your heart is your total sphere of existence, what God is doing through the passage of time is slowly but surely through the sacrificial knife of the word cutting your heart out. You know, I've, I'm always accused of, you know, I, I'm, people say I tear somebody's heart out by talking to them. Well, that's what the purpose of this is. It's to circumcise the heart completely so that you never again are affected by the derision of men or the praise of men. It is as meaningless as whether or not a cockroach likes you. But do you see the mystery how that's the only way God has to test whether or not your heart is circumcised? Amen. You, does everybody understand this? Now, don't go... Now, now see what happens when I talk about this. Everybody says, oh, shit. Oh, poor me. Oh, wow. Because, you know, yesterday I got mad when somebody said... Oh, no. It's not your business. It's only your business to give yourself to God. He will do it. And also, the foolishness of preaching helps. But can you see, can you imagine what God is thinking about? You go into a church and they say, okay, praise God, brethren, everybody, make that person feel. You know, everything in the world 
and smile so everybody will know you're a Christian. There's that, that famous bunker, bumper sticker, they shall know we are Christians by what be because we're nice. There wasn't really a bumper sticker. No, but but can you see how man has taken the mystery of the gospel and made it into something that's man-pleasing? And Paul said, if I yet please men, I cannot be the servant of God. There is absolutely nothing man-pleasing about this book. So cutting. Something gets cut up. When we study the temple, we'll see that that's all that happened in the temple. Was the was those poor animals got slaughtered constantly. Guess what? That was a picture of you. So they, they got it always. I don't feel like talking anymore. <laughs> Well, I thought since you're leaving us for a couple of weeks, I thought I'd end in a pleasant note for you. So. You appreciate that? She's going to go have surgery. I'm sorry, but that was cruel. She's going to be in Austin, she's going to be in Houston and Dallas, all at the same time. I'm trying to talk to you. I'll be able to tell me about it. <laughs>